Okay, hello and welcome back to the UFO Thinker podcast. My name's Frank and let's get cracking with some more conversation around the pretty big events of the last week or so, I suppose. It's, it's not been that long really since all this came out. And um, here with me today to discuss it is going to be Dave once again. How are we doing, Dave? I'm in good form, Frank. Uh, I'm Sorry I missed the last show, but actually I'm not because you give such a great peroration on it. I was cheering you on, so I thought it was brilliant what you said last time. I was in full agreement. So in a way, I was glad I missed the show, even though I planned to go on with you. So I'm looking forward to this tonight, though, so we can get into it a little bit, you know. There's so many issues. Yeah, there's a lot to discuss with this, and obviously it's kind of set the UFO community ablaze over the last uh, few days, and and sort of like spread out into the into the wider world as well of of people discussing this within the mainstream and whatnot. So yeah, certainly is a, a quite a big story. And um, just in case anyone wonders why I'm a bit bunged up, as I was just explaining today before we started, I've got some kind of horrible combination of a cold and hay fever all at once. So if I sound a bit under the weather and a bit less energy than usual, that's why. Although I suppose people are used to it by now as uh, <laughs> my, my health woes are never-ending. So, uh... <laughs> so did you get hay fever, Dave? Uh, I do a little bit. I used to get it really bad. And I, God, when I was a kid, I had some injections, whether it was placebo or not. It cleared up, and then I just started to get it in the last 10 years. Me, me two lads do, and me, certainly my youngest does. I, I tend to have a couple of Puritans this, this time here and I'm all right. Whatever it is, whatever the tablet is, you take it, might not be Puritan. But anyway, yeah, so uh, I'm not too bad, but I don't get it like you because um, my lad gets it like you and it's bloody bad news. I feel sorry for it. Yeah, it's not great, but, you know, we, we persevere. Yeah, so yeah. let's let's do a quick rundown of what actually happened then. I'm sure people are more interested in that than my hay fever woes. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of what's actually happened with this big story, so a former Intel uh, official who, who decided to essentially kind of whistleblow, although there has been a little bit of term uh, of discussion around that term whistleblower as to whether he truly classifies as a whistleblower or not but one way or another this is somebody who was a a former intelligence official who had basically given uh, congress and the intelligence community inspector general extensive classified information about uh, a hidden uh, covert program that he claims uh, possesses retrieved intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin so the information around this program that he's kind of stumbled upon apparently has been illegally withheld from congress and the complaint that was filed it goes into some pretty significant detail about the the retaliation that he's actually suffered um because of his his reporting about this issue and um, other intelligence officials, both active and retired, um, have also corroborated uh, this information on and off the record to the debrief who came out with the original article. And the whistleblower himself uh, is David Charles Grush, 36 years of age, and is a decorated former combat officer uh, who served in Afghanistan, uh, was a, a veteran of the NGA, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, and the National Reconnaissance Office, NRO. And he was also involved with the UAP task force as well, involved in actually looking into the UAP issue and uh, actually digging in to to this this topic from the inside. So what what are some of your thoughts, Dave? Because I know I I kind of rambled on about this in in great detail in the episode that I did last week. What are some of your key takeaways about all this? What have you been thinking about? Well, I mean, you covered it really well, Frank, but I'll just... There's a couple of things I think that probably need to be said. First, I just want to run through what he actually said. It just bears repeating. I'm not going to do it too long, but just as a literally a list of bullets. Yes, but he said the, the, the US government has got craft at a non-human or, origin. He said that. Uh, reverse engineering programs, and the, they're doing those, and they're trying to create, create an asymmetrical advantage tactically. They don't want the opposition to do that. 
Legacy programs have been concealed in multiple agencies and they nested within other secret programs. There's been a, what he called a decade-long Cold War with adversaries, i.e. China and Russia, I presume he means by that, over the alien tech. There's been attempts to shoot them down. Uh, there's been possible evidence of communication. Treaty was the word he used. We'll come back to that. Uh, possible evidence of the use of deadly force, and he used the word malevolent, although he wasn't, I didn't get the impression he was saying they were malevolent. He just said that activity would be malevolent. Uh, evidence of serious wrongdoing and suppression by the intelligence community and other people over decades. He was harassed, and he even went to the DOD-IG, and he didn't quite make accusations, but it seems some went out, and he had to go to the, the intelligence community, Inspector General. Uh, so pretty serious and long list of things. All things that we've been talking about, Frank, on the show over the last couple of years, year and a half. Mega, absolutely mind-blowing. But we, you could say we've heard it all before, but it's a bit different with this guy because he's very credible. He's a senior you know, person in the intelligence community, most, most senior. He's got a lot of evidence, docs, documents and photos, which he submitted to the Inspector General. There's testimony from other whistleblowers supporting it. He's got testimonials of who he is and what's happening. And crucially, uh, the, inspector, the intelligence community Inspector General said he was, he was a credible, he had a credible and urgent case. So normally, on, as usual on UFO, everybody gets on knocking, we don't know, he hasn't seen it and all the rest of it. But I think if people are honest with themselves, it's an of a different order of magnitude, this guy coming forward. He had the means to know, he did know, and he's, and, and, and he's been able to show, you know, been able to demonstrate that he's actually in a position to know. So unless... So the percentage chance, in my mind, of it being a load of rubbish, unless he's mad or whatever, because the penalties are really bad, he's very low. So I think from a probability point, we can't say it's definitely true, but from a probability point, in my mind, I'm thinking this guy has got something, his things have checked out, so we've got to take it on board. So if we take that as a working hypothesis or a working thought, what does that mean? And I think the biggest thing, He's, he's sort of collapsed the sort of waveform around what UAPs are. In the past, we can all speculate. We've all been talking about what are UAPs, what can they be, could be this, could be that, and endlessly talking about it. If we believe what this guy has, has said, why I say he's collapsed the worm, worm, the worm on the waveform, why he's done that is that he, he's, uh, he's identified a number of things and he said these are definitely true which is absolutely, you know, which is, makes a big difference. So if you think about it, before we could have a pre-Grolsch period or Grouch period, I should say. Grolsch is a beer, isn't it? Pre-Grouch period. And most people would say, to be sensible, well, a lot of people would say, well, the US probably don't know what they are. They've identified them. They've no idea what they are. They haven't got crash materials. They haven't got this. You know, so they don't really know much more than us. And I've heard that a lot. But actually... It might turn out, it turns out that a lot of the things, more things than you would think have actually turned out to be true. You know, that have been rumoured. Tick off his list. They're all things that people have thought of, but didn't, you know, didn't want to believe. You know, as I say, uh, the craft, the, the non-human intelligence, bodies, decade-long cover-up, reverse engineering, malevolence, treaties even. This info campaign was another thing he proved. And I think we might have all been guilty of sort of, putting our own, oh, that can't be true, onto what's been said. Uh, and I think we might have to recognise, because if you think about it, the idea is that all these witnesses are all mad, so we can't believe anything they say, and so only a low percentage of things is likely to be true based on what we think is reasonable. But in reality, a lot of these people coming forward have always been pretty credible. They've been telling people things that sound incredible. But the chances are, more of what they've been saying than we've allowed for is actually correct. And if this guy's writing what he's saying, that means the profile's pretty true. And in collapsing that waveform, as it were, or, or what, is, what is known and what isn't, he sort of significantly moved us along to where what potentially is true about this phenomenon. And a lot of the big things we weren't sure about have sort of been clarified. Uh, and so I think the question, I mean, there's a few questions there, but you want to come back to it. But just to finish on that point, the question then becomes, what is false? And the things we don't know yet is, have we cracked anti I'm not saying this is all true. I'm just saying, if you follow my reasoning, 
this guy's credible. That's just, you can assume that what he's saying stuff, it's got a high degree of maybe being correct. So he's moved the, you know, the ball, fire up the field, what we can believe. So what is, what's left? So we might have, have we cracked anti-gravity? That's not clear. Are there alien reproduction vehicles, i.e. human-made anti-grav craft? And this is getting a bit weirder. And is this the galactic, is there a galactic council? Are we trading with alien races? What about a breakaway sieve? Is there some sort of secret space fleet? Is there some sort of zoo? Are abductions being allowed? Et cetera, et cetera. Now, a lot of them I don't believe, and I think a lot of them, just in my mind, were products of the sort of, the sort of fantasies that were allowed to develop because we weren't getting any more information and people got more and more wound up. But we don't know about it. It's interesting to know about that. And then the final thing is there's a bit of an elephant in the room that hasn't been mentioned is about abductions and hybrids. Now, we know, oh, sorry, we don't know, but like, like with UFOs, the actual volume of people reporting this, like it was on UFOs of abductions, I think there's something to it. I'm not so sure about hybrids, but that's because it shocks me the thought of that. But the point, there's, there's a bit less evidence on that. But that hasn't been addressed. And I think if you forget about some of the weirder things I've said, but just go to what he said, the abduction thing is bubbling under the surface as well. So basically, he's moved it on a lot, Frank. And I don't, I think that's the real importance of what he said, because a lot of people said, oh, we've heard all this before, watch new. Watch new is this guy is credible. And he's got evidence that's been shown to an, a government body and they thought it's credible. And that is absolutely massive and game-changing. So that's why I think it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is kind of what I was saying on, on the show uh, that I did last week is is what it really comes down to is the credibility and the, the fact that this guy's got a recent as well, a very recent provable track record as being somebody was there on the inside and you know in terms of like you were saying there about some of those kind of areas that this throws up as well we've talked about this a bit over the last week or so as well on on signal and whatnot i i kind of place it into a couple of different categories so there's the things that are on what i call very firm ground about this yeah. you know the, the the types of information that he's talking about is that he was in a position where he was actually on the UAP task force. He was not somebody who was uh, a prior interest in this topic or anything like that. He was selected because of his, you know, prowess for want of a better word, as you know, a, a, an analyst, as somebody who was who'd done an absolutely amazing job in his previous roles, was trustworthy, had a good track record, all that kind of thing. And it, from that starting point, he has then gone and started knocking on doors, trying to find out what was going on on behalf of the UAP task force and that kind of thing. And, as, and he himself then has come across evidence in terms of people who have got that direct involvement with, you know, the the, the hidden program, the, you know, the program, as, as people call it, which is dealing with UFOs. And as much as he himself hasn't worked on a saucer or whatever it might be, he has directly spoken to the people that have. And that, that for me considering that he's willing to put his name down as part of an official you know process with the inspector general and all the rest of it that carries a pretty severe punishment if he's found to have lied during that process is prison time you know there's large financial penalties you know this isn't somebody who's just thought oh do you know what i'll just leave my extremely well-paid career and, and try and forge a route for myself as a ufo celebrity or whatever this is somebody who's tried to go down all of the official channels, given the job that you know he was asked to do, he's he's gone and got results in that job, and he's tried to then, you know, report the information that he's found through the official channels, and then he's had problems in terms of you know repercussions for just doing the job that he was given to do in the first place, and the firm ground stuff that we can talk about there is that he has spoken to people who have worked on these programs, who have had access to these craft and have asserted that there are things like bodies as well has been brought up as part of the conversation. Um, and, and all of that, for me, is relatively firm ground. I mean, it, it sounds, even that sounds properly out there, but that I would say is fairly firm ground. The other stuff, which you're right, Dave, he has... He, it has been touched on as well in the in the conversations and interviews that he's done is the 
the actual malevolent activity of these others towards humans that has been brought up as part of this but i wouldn't consider that to be on as firm ground because we don't know exactly how that information has has moved along and ended up at at dave grush you know so that that that's one of them the other one is treaties like you say some kind of cooperation and existing communication channels that are open between humans and whatever other intelligences there are sounds fascinating but that's another one for me that's on perhaps a little bit less firm ground. You know, it, it's all of this definitely brings up, you know, that point as something worth discussing, but it's probably not for me. It's not on as, as firm a ground as the actual craft and the fact that there is a program and all the rest of it, but still very interesting. And obviously, a lot of that relates back to this Holloman that you've discussed quite a few times in the past as well. And, you know, for all we know, it could just be that he's spoken to somebody who he considers credible, who's told him about Holloman. And that could be where that angle comes from. Or it it could be that he's seen documentation and he's seen that the, the fabled video, you know, in a classified setting. And he's seen, you know, people who've come to him, you know, with, with extensive information about that event. And in that case that we'd be on firm ground there, but as, as it is, it's just a mention, I think, at this point that yeah. it's very interesting, and, and like you say, this it, it, all of this happening does kind of bring those things up into being more of a conversation point. But yeah, perhaps not on quite as firm ground at this point. Yeah, on, see, on that, I think on the the malevolent stuff, I took it, and it's just my when I was listening and thinking, I think you might be thinking of things more like that Calaris and a couple of other isolated incidents where things have happened. Or there's a couple of incidents reported at bases where there's been the, the military have been killed by mistake because they've encroached on a craft or something, something like that. But on that, uh, the treaty, the treaty, he used the word treaties. It's weird because he also said, because the guy, Ross tried to pin him down and he said, well, I'd like to know if that was true. And there were phrasing he used, implied that he'd read something about it. He wasn't sure, but he'd read something. So he, was, he did think something had happened like that. And, of course, you've got the Holloman, which is essentially somebody getting out of craft talking to a military officer. But you've also got the big Eisenhower one, which is reportedly in 52 and 54. Uh, there were two separate ones where they finalised this treaty. And the key about, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know. I read a brilliant book on it. It was very good circumstantially, but you never know. The, the, but, but the thing, the link to that is about abductions because the rumour always is. But, uh, but, that there were people were being abducted and they agreed that in return for tech. Now that's where the magic thing about abductions come in because that is absolute. That, that plan you trying to explain that to the public. I mean, even he said, "Well, there's not we could do about it. What could we do?" And we had wanted to control it a bit, like you know, regulating alcohol or something like that, rather than banning it. I mean, it's it's just mental that so so. What would they be talking? What would be the treaty? That's the thing, and that's why it's uh, like you say, it's quite tricky. What what has and hasn't been agreed, and that might be a, that could also in, talk about you know what the secret cabal has been or the group who's running this that sort of decisions they might have made. Now I don't, we don't know. Obviously, as you say, it's a bit more farther down the road. But the point is, Frank, based on what I'm saying before, we're both self-editing there on what we believe in, aren't we? particularly on the treaties thing, because it sounds far out. And the point I was making earlier, a lot of people have been self-editing because it does sound weird, but actually a lot of the more of the rumours than we think may be true. And this might apply to that treaty thing as well. Now, I don't want to go too far down the route of that thinking because you couldn't say anything's true on that basis. But it's just worth bearing in mind. uh, Yeah, I mean, the communication in itself is... uh, it's very uh, it's interesting because I always thought it'd be more like, I didn't really believe the treaties. I thought it'd be more like they had communication, there was some sort of agreements and maybe it was a bit of an arm's length sort of thing, you know, smoke signals, you know, between each camp. But treaty is something else entirely, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, so yeah, uh, you're right. But getting back to the firm ground, even the firm ground's crazy. And the, I still don't think I'd process the fact that if what he's saying is right, there's definitely non-human intelligence. He didn't exactly say aliens, but that's the knocking bet. Because you know me with the crypto, I've still got a slight think it might be crypto. But it sounds more like a, it sounds more like extraterrestrial to me, just because of the way the materials were put together. Anyway, yeah. So 
Yeah, and it's it's interesting, isn't it? Like you say about that self editing and, and all the rest of it, because like you know, we we all consider these ideas that seem pretty far out, but there's a line, isn't there, in terms of like, I mean, I, the treatise thing, for example, I, I consider it, and I think it's really interesting, and you know, and all the rest of it. But even I have have you know a struggle with with that, really taking that on on board as being something that I think, yeah, that probably happened, you know, but. When, when you come to major publications as well, talking about certain aspects of, of the UFO phenomenon, there's there's a similar kind of thing that plays out. Like, you know, the, and, and I think that's probably the reason that certain publications perhaps didn't want to, to run this story or certain aspects of the story. Like there's been a lot of discussion about Leslie Kane not really wanting to go into the, the, the bodies aspect yeah. of it, you know. Um, and certainly you wouldn't want to try to go to the New York Times, for example, or the Washington Post or a, a very major respected publication and say, oh, we want to include this aspect of the story unless you've got properly firm ground. Now, I think when you're talking about, you know, the fact that this guy was a credentialed individual who was on the inside, whose job it was to look into this topic, and he wasn't convinced before, and now he is convinced, and all of his work led him to, you know, various people who told him that they had direct involvement. That's all firm ground, you know. But the other stuff, you perhaps couldn't mm. include in in a, in a major publication unless you've got multiple corroborating sources, and and that just probably wasn't possible for those those aspects. But it's also really interesting to think about if. Let's just say, you know, we do get somebody who comes out with literal photographs of a craft in a hangar and maybe even more than that, you know, however however that might play out. If that does happen down the line and it becomes kind of widely accepted amongst everybody, not just people who are interested in the UFO community, that these things are being held by the government, all of a sudden some of them things that seem like they're on shaky ground don't seem so shaky anymore. You know what I mean? Like, how can it be... I mean, it's kind of almost a contradiction, isn't it? Really, that the discussion of bodies can be seen as really far out, but the the you know the the discussion of the craft doesn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's odd, isn't it? How that actually works, but it is true though as well. And and you can sort of understand why you know you have to have a lot more corroboration for certain aspects that people are not ready for. And I'm not even ready for some of those things, so it's kind of understandable to an extent. But once you you get past the first building blocks, some of the really far out stuff like treaties, bodies, attacking humans, abductions, and things like that. They don't seem so far out anymore, do they, once you, once you accept Well, well that's the thing, because if you know there's a good chance it might be true now, maybe not the treaties, but the other things. Well, yeah, bed trees as well. And that's a different slight thing, because when we've been talking about it before, we always thought, well, we won't go into that now, because it shocked too many people. And in the back of your mind, you forget, and we don't know if it's right. You could argue we do know more of it's right now, and it's a bit of a diff, more difficult thing. But the thing is still always true: the big bloody spoonful to swallow in it as it is, let alone throwing all those other things into it. And uh, we'll probably get onto it a little bit later. The effect on people's thinking. But yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that you know, you know, the way that I've been focusing on this story is, I suppose, is the firm ground stuff really. You know, like let's let's focus on that first. Let's let's get that out of the way in terms of you know um, having the discussion and and those aspects of Dave Grush's story. And if we do get more sort of detail on that, and perhaps you know, I mean, since I recorded my show last week, um, Ross Coltart, who obviously was one of the key players in bringing this story forward, he was asked um, very clearly by Bryce Sable, his co-host on Need to Know. Um, have you heard about other people that are going to be coming forward with actual photographs uh, and kind of like key evidence about these craft and potentially bodies? And Ross Coulter, in his in his usual way, just said yes, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they moved on. Now, obviously, you know people can say what they want about Ross Coulter, but there's no question that he's done a very thorough job of bringing this forward. And he said that he was going to bring something really big forward at some point. Um, and uh, I'd forgotten about this, but I was reminded of it today. He said on a podcast quite quite recently, um, you know, that if 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 you knew what I knew now, mate, 
you'd be shocked or whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> <Be> bloody <laughs> shocked. No, <laughs> no, my, that's more South African, isn't it? But yeah. my, my my terrible Ross Coulter Australian uh, yeah. uh, accent impression there. But Ross Coulter has been saying this stuff for a while that some he had you know he's sitting on a big story, blah blah blah, and and you know the story came out. So fair play to him. And if Ross Coulter saying that he knows of another development on the way that has that kind of hard hard proof, photographic, or maybe even just somebody who's had that direct involvement, you know, one of the people who Grush has spoken to, if somebody like that is lining up to come out, then that's going to be you know a huge step in in the right direction, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's loads of them though, isn't there, Frank? That's just as the other thing is apparently there's going to be loads more coming forward. They're going to have the, these hearings and testimonies. There's that Michael, what is it, Schellenberger, I can't pronounce, I think that's his name, he did that article where he identified the 12 craft and all 12 plus craft. There's loads of people coming forward to corroborate. So this could be the first of a real big push and it makes you think where they're going to, it's a bit like, you know, a tidal wave sweeping through a coastal town. What's going to be left? Because I think the cosy thing that's been happening is that the firstly, as we know, they've tried to play the, uh, well, nothing to see here, low information zone. Then they've gone to, well, there might be something to see, but there's now we, we can't really find it out. It's too difficult. And he's sort of undercut all that with that testimony. And they're really having to think about what's the story going to be now. You know, and I, I think that's, he's really moved the dial on disclosure. I mean, if you think about them four things we've been talking about, the four elements of disclosure, which is confirmation, which is essentially in the summit there. Then there's all craft and bodies, which is a massive one. Uh, then there's communications, which is an even bigger one. And then there's the sort of true nature of the relationship and our reality, the big, the whole, whole thing. We've been thinking, God, if we get to the second bit, that'll be absolutely massive. And would they ever do it? And he's sort of gone to that almost immediately. If they were sat there, the, the non-disclosure people think, or even the people who want to win, who want to disclose them, but want to only take it a certain way, this has moved that on quite significantly. Is what? Because if, if if you were them, and you're thinking, right, how are we going to get away with this now? What we're we going to say? Well, we'll say we don't know what they are, yeah, but they are around. Mm, yeah. Oh well, we might say there's craft, or we might say that, but we're certainly not going to say you've been talking to them for a bit, or you've had a big treaty with them, or you know that. You've got a massive relationship. There's nothing you can do, and but you know they're coming in twenty. You know you wouldn't. I'm not. I'm not saying that that's true, but you know what I mean. It's really the disclosure scenarios that they must have had in their mind of where they were going to go. Has really sort of. Uh, I think this has altered it quite a bit. Now they must have known that the people who are behind this. This is being orchestrated by the the people who want disclosure. You know, as a way to break down the dam. Her, Partly what Kirkpatrick's stance in those hearings, sort of dismissing whistleblowers and all, really exacerbated it. If his job was to slow things down, that was a real miscalculation. And people have come out swinging, you know, and this is this was supposed to start a couple of months later and it's already kicked off. So I think, like I have thought with this, once it starts, it's pretty hard to predict where it's going to end, really. Anyway, so, yeah, anyway, so, yeah. Yeah, all good points, mate, all good points. And I think um, another thing that I think would be good for us to chat about is some of the some of the kind of uh, discussion that's been had since the story broke. Because as I say, when I did my show on that last week, it was literally the day after. You know, as I said on, on the show, I was planning on doing an entire podcast episode about that NASA thing that happened last week. And then that soon became like, well, who cares about that now sort of thing? You know, as much as there was some interesting aspects of it and it was, you know, it was worth discussing, uh, a bigger story came along and uh, that kind of thing. So, but since that, I only did that the day after, so it was very fresh and there has been a lot more discussion about uh, this whole thing since then. So one of the things that has been um, mentioned quite a bit, and, and I've had a few emails from listeners about this as well, is that, oh, okay, this means that the government have decided to, you know, to spill the beans, to, to roll out disclosure. And, you know, they've, they've put somebody up there who, who's, who's going to sort of like, you know, do the disclosure on, on the, the government's behalf kind of thing. And, um, I mean, personally, I, I think that kind of, you know, it just doesn't tally with what we've seen playing out over the course of the last few years. You know, like the there's more of a sort of 
a battle, isn't there? As we've talked about quite a lot between those who want this story to come out and those who don't. And to suggest that those who are in control of the information have suddenly just decided, yeah, all right, game's up. We're just going to spill a bit. doesn't really make sense to me. What What do you reckon? No, I think there's no chance that this is part of a planned government disclosure. Absolutely none whatsoever. We, well, I mean, I don't want to be so definite, but I don't know, do I? But I'm, I, I, we can see we've seen it for ages, this internecine warfare. It's been going on for decades. But it's only when the people of the likes of Lou and Chris Mellon and people who are inside the system have the power to do it in a proper strategy. And clearly the strategy was get to Congress. They were the only people who could break down the secrecy, get some law in place, and then go for it. I mean, to, to massively oversimplify it. And they clearly been fighting them every step of the way. We've seen it. We've seen them grain traction a bit, the non-disclosure faction, by, you know, low, that hearing, low information zone, using Arrow to do that, and maybe potentially the NASA thing. But NASA, I think, is just trying to get out of it until they see what happens, until the fight's over and they can step in and say, can we help? But anyway, the, 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 the point is that... Uh, uh, the, the point is that there's been a lot of fighting going on, a lot of conflicts, and it's quite clear. And I think you can also see that historically. There's obviously been factions all along in this case who've wanted to tell the truth. People have said, well, why has it never come out before? Well, a lot of people have tried to do it from the 40s, some of the generals, 50s people saying stuff. All along we've had people trying to say stuff, and I think some of it out of conscience, some of it to cover the backsides, but it's never had the traction. It's just now that it has had the traction. So I think that this is an effort to push it over. The, the, the disclosure faction clearly want to change the leadership. There's issues around technology. There may be other issues we don't know about. And it's a massive battle going on. So there's no big plan. I mean, I think they did think about a big plan. There's two administrations. I think Nixon's one thought about it and Bush's one thought about it. And they both thought they couldn't do it. But I don't think... That there is a big plan, particularly. The, I think what will happen is, if the disclosure faction win, as it were, if, it, if it's that clear cut, it'll fall to them. They'll have the headache of what they do, what they do about it. So I think it's a, it's just a battle, Frank. And I think we've been just by reading the rules and listening to people. I think that to me that's clear that there's no overall clever plan, and this is all some sort of. Uh, you know, sort of kabuki play where they're all going on, you know, uh, you know, shadow play, you know, just to con us all. Yeah, and the thing is, I've, I've heard that kind of thing a lot as well. I remember when I first started getting into this topic, you know, people said that TTSA was part of some kind of government rollout. And every every new story that comes along, people think, oh, well, this is the government finally spilling the beans to the public. And I, I don't think really when you when you look at some of the specifics of it that that really stands up personally. I mean, again, could be totally wrong. Maybe it is, you know, maybe that is the case. But to me, personally, my, my opinion is that it doesn't really seem to point towards that. You only have to look at, for example, what Grush is explaining is, has happened to him. The way that Grush has, has actually... Uh, reported the harassment that he suffered is that it's there's a suggestion that it's been done by organizations outside of you know the u.s kind of government military intelligence community structure and and if that's the case it doesn't really seem to make much sense that the u.s government military and intelligence community structure would have some grand plan to get this information out if they're going after and and you know hounding people who, who are trying to do their um, if, if, you know, congressionally mandated job to actually look into this. Why on earth would they be harassing people to the extent where the the person on the end of the harassment feels the need to to launch an official IG complaint about it? You know, putting his own reputation and, and name on the line to to report this this terrible behaviour that he clearly seems to be really appalled by as well. You know, when he discusses it, he's, he describes it as like un-American like really un-American things going on, which it would be, wouldn't it? If, if there's a, a secret program somewhere within that US government, military and intelligence community structure, wherever it's embedded, maybe in multiple locations or linked up or whatever, if that, if that program is collaborating with people outside of the US government, military, IC structure to harass people within who are current you know, government employees, that's really, really serious, and you can totally see why. You know, even setting aside 
the extent of what that UFO program has actually got in terms of, you know, craft, bodies, whatever it might be, even setting all that aside, it's such a serious thing, isn't it? You know, that that there could be this like program operating illegally, dodging oversight and collaborating with outside organizations to harass people on the inside if they try and get too close to the information. Such serious accusations and you can totally see why the uh, the IG would be so keen to to get to the bottom of that if the allegations are made. I mean, it's like all corruption, isn't it? In the end, uh, they might they might think they're starting off for the right reason to protect. Not that this is right, but they protect the state, or you know, they couldn't tell the secret. But in the end, it just becomes about protecting their own wrongdoing and that corruption. And I suspect because they've obviously listened to what he was saying, they've obviously embedded themselves across quite cleverly. They've decentralised it. They've embedded across the normal functions. As we've speculated many times, they've got people in the right strategic places. They can use that capability and capacity in the government to do what they want to do. So, so they're pretty ubiquitous across the piece. And everybody was reporting to them and saying that's fine and okay with it. But gradually, it must have got worse. The behaviour must have been weird. There could have been things that people knew could have been actioned. And it's and I think though now they've got nowhere to go. I think they're just hoping for something to happen. They're on a burning platform because you know they're being found out. They weren't expecting this sort of initiative just in 2017. And now they're just thinking, we're waiting for something to turn up. And you do wonder, I hope you do, you do wonder what they're going to do really to try and change it. But I don't think there's much they can do to it. And you've got to admire him coming forward. I don't know whether I would have, well, I wouldn't have had the bravery to do that. And he must, you know, driven he is to do the right thing and to sacrifice what he did. He really must be an exceptional individual, you know, to do that. I really do genuinely admire what he's done. But they don't really, they, they do produce these sort of people, these these organisations. And I mean, I tell you what it does, you know, like in the Jay Stratton thing, the UFO tax force, that was obviously doing its job. Jay Stratton had set up a lot of stuff, apparently declassified a lot of things, we're going to release them. And he obviously must have, the guy, he pointed him, Gert Gersh, to, uh, he was the liaison between the, you know, the National Reconnaissance Office and all that stuff. And they were obviously trying to do a proper job. And uh, that's why all his colleagues come to him and told him what was going on. So that was working. And then that, that fleshes it out a bit more, why they hobbled that, got rid of Jay Stratton, got rid of what I'm put some sort of rubbish sort of poundland version of it in who didn't have any clearance, weren't bothered, were foot dragging, and then did Arrow. You know, it shows you, and then Bray had classified all the pictures without sounding like Billy Bitter here. But, you know, that's what happened. You had a, I didn't realise that that task force, because that was controlled by the Navy, so they've always been a bit more favourable to disclosure, we think. And then it's gone over to that 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 was forced in the DOD, and they've just the intention all along now has been to shut this down. Equally, when we look back at the hearing in twenty two, was it twenty two? The hearing, two big things that were mentioned was nuclear power and crash retrievals in the form of Wilson Davis, which is interesting, and that was the stall for the disclosure faction setting that out clearly, sending them a message. Nuclear to talk about the importance of it, significance, and crash retrieval to hint at this secret, because it's all around this, isn't it? Having materials, that's the big deception. And this whole infrastructure has been built around it to cover that up. It's become increasingly illegal, increasingly chaotic, increasingly hard to control. Uh, and, you know, and, and it's all culminating in that now. But, uh, and I think it's too little too late for more. And they're just waiting, I think, to see if they can get out of it. And uh, I don't, I don't know if they can really, Frank. I think one way or the other, uh, they're not, and they probably just think. I wonder, like we said on another episode a bit ago, about six months ago, at what point do some of these people decide to cut and run? You know what I mean? In Britain, turn Queen's evidence, as we'd say in Britain or whatever, you know, uh, become witnesses. What at what point does a truth and reconciliation break that log? And what happened? You know, at what point do they give the game up? Or do they just keep going? You know, it's very difficult to say. Uh, but it is interesting because I, I personally don't think there's been such criminality and illegality. Uh, I, I don't know whether they're going to want to fess up to it, really. So they've just got to keep going. Yeah, it's a good point. And, it, and that's something that really 
you know, has been hitting home over the last, well, I guess, I guess, few months really, but it sort of mm. culminated recently, is that you know we didn't know how good we had it really with the UAP task force. The more that's come out about yeah. that, it was quite shadowy at the time, as I recall. Like the UAP task force, we just heard from Luella Zondo that his. His deputy was, wasn't it, when he was in ATIP, is yeah. now running the task force. And there was no like public communication. There was no sense that we were going to be, you know, anything anything particularly like open and, and what was going on was very much behind the scenes and and there was um you know, little little did we know that there was actually all all this going on. You know, from we're hearing now from people like Grush who was directly involved and obviously now Jay Stratton has come out and actually talked on podcasts and things like that and been fairly open about things and we've got a better sense now of what was actually going on and, and as I say we, we didn't really know how, how good we had it and I think there was obviously a sense of, of that amongst those that didn't want this uh, you know the, the disclosure the transparency to, to you know to happen and uh, they've they've slowly but surely taken all of the I described it as a toothless office now, Arrow. Oh. You know, they, they couldn't, they couldn't, they can't do a great deal. They've not really got too much. It went downhill from the UAP task force to, to AIM SOG or whatever it was supposed to be called, the AOI MSG. I only, I can only remember that because I've said the name so many times, but it's just a ridiculous name. And, and again, there was a, there was two separate tracks where it was on the one hand, they were making all of these public proclamations about transparency and are we going to do this and do that? But then behind the scenes, you know, sort of behind the, you know, behind the curtain, they were, they were slowly but surely increasing the the classification of everything, as you say, and, and, you know, removing all of the tools and all the access authorities that the, the office actually had. And then when it got rebranded again, it's quite genius in a way what they've oh. done. You know they've they've announced in, in an evil kind of not very pleasant way. Well, it's certainly hard faced, isn't it, Frank? Let's be honest. I mean, because yeah. basically, I remember saying, "Did he think we're that stupid?" And clearly, they did, because it wasn't that subtle. Uh, yeah. I mean, they didn't do anything. That was the thing, and, and they just kept going, "Oh yeah," and they didn't. I mean, they replace a lot of high quality staff, as it turns out. We sort of Epstein's guards. Do you know what I mean? It's bloody useless all sitting there reading a couple of mac. What would they do anything there? Stand, oh no, don't worry about it. You know, we always have six blokes. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, the point is they were rubbish. They come in and they do, and, and that's why I thought what you were saying about Arrow and particularly this testimony. I mean, I, I mean, we've given the benefit of the doubt. I know so I haven't much, but given, but I think that we, it seems to me now that the institutions have been setting up and now to put a break on this and slow it down, uh, not give them the right intelligence, you know, the right intelligence authority, and really become like a sort of source of plausible deniability for the DOD now. That's how bad it is. I mean, and if you think about it, Sean Kirkpatrick would probably dismiss this just testament. It's not scientific. We can't do anything with it which is what apparently, I mean, we may be lesser cases. Uh, so I think the whole thing, the whole methodology, I don't think I always fit for purpose now. And I think it's something we probably need to look at and uh, need to think about because these people are clearly trying to put the spanner in the works. They put the spanner in the works all along with the act. Remember when they took the reparations out that could be done for, you know, for, for if they've been harassing people, that would, yeah. there's loads of things we pointed out have been taken out. And we're thinking, oh, well, was it just that, you know? And actually, if you look at it, there's a clear pattern. Same as this harassment of trying to slow this down, not take it seriously, play for time, and hope something turns up and hope they can con people, really. Yeah. Uh, and, and hopefully, that's, that's my view. I know I'm being a little strident on it. But I do think it's important we sort of take a more proactive stance in the community on what these things are doing and ask for changing on a better organization or certainly some action at any rate you know well yeah the thing is i mean it's like you know why i say it's it's genius and why i say yeah. it's a, a it toothless office because yeah. it's like if you wanted to say you know we've we've got no credible evidence of this thing that we don't want to reveal right how's the best way you can do that you set up a public facing office nicely branded with a cool logo with a, a sharp dressed man in a suit uh, presenting it all you know what i mean but you you reduce that office's capabilities to only being able to get 
individual witness testimony because they've not got access to any of the actual credible data. Like, you know, they, they literally can't find anything at this point other than just personal testimony from witnesses. So then what else are they going to find that's credible evidence? They're not going to find anything because they've literally not got the tools to do that. And anytime anything comes up, that you know, that Susan Goff and the, the Pentagon have got the perfect thing, it's just like a, you know, a... a a glove puppet, isn't it? You know, yeah. Arrow, they can just say, oh, well, Arrow's not found anything credible. It's like, well, they can't find anything credible. They've not got the capability to do so. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just become a source of, as I say, plausible deniability for them now. And so something needs to change. The is wrong. All this using the scientific method. I mean, we all want the scientific method, but as I say, the scientific method should be the expert witness in the investigation. It shouldn't be running the investigation. It should be investigation in the field, making reasonable assumptions and moving forward from that. And that's what they do in intelligence. That's what you do in any form of public life or any project. You use the evidence, you move forward and try and sort it out. And there's none of that. They're just using this dodgy methodology and trying to get everybody to believe they look, they want to do something, and it's not, it's not happening, you know. I mean, and it's certainly not in the aims of the legislation, which is to try and sort it out. Exactly, uh, yeah. and I think the thing is as well is that you know, I mean, in my opinion, credible witnesses, you know, who are presenting evidence as well, because this is the thing with Grush. I mean, he's not actually presenting photographs and evidence and and so forth when he, you know, when he does his interview with Russ Coulter and things like that. But that's not to say that he hasn't presented that evidence. He's just not presenting it to a podcast. He's presenting it yeah, to yeah. the IG. He's presenting yeah. it to, to congressional committees and staffers. You know, he's, he has presented evidence, but he's tried to do everything the right way uh, in terms of the official channels. And he's not really got very far with it. He's yeah. not really got any faith in, in Arrow himself, you know, and Kirkpatrick. You know, he himself hasn't got faith in that office that they're going to do the right thing. So he's decided, much like what Lou Elizondo did, that the only way to really get this story out is to to do the, what he's done and, and to sort of leave the the government and and sort of do it his his own way. Um, but yeah, the, obviously there is a lot more to come on it as well. But another point that I wanted to mention is that again something that came out quite quickly. Um, the fallout from the the original story breaking was. Why did uh, Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp not release this story? Because it came out that they've known about this for quite some time. Yeah. And again, that now has become much clearer, only as of, what was it, yesterday, um, the the weaponized guys, uh, Corbell and Knapp, did a, a new episode in which they, you know, pretty conclusively sort of uh, explained it, you know, which is that they had this story, I think, a year and four months or something ago, like quite so over a year yeah. anyway forget the exact amount of months, but uh, over a year that they've known about this, they've been speaking to Grush, and the reason that they didn't bring the story out is not because they didn't think it was credible, because they thought it was such a big story, they wanted to make sure it came out the right way, and there was an initial plan to actually have the story come out in a bigger um, you know, publication. Obviously, there had been a lot of whisperings on the grapevine about the Washington Post, um, the New York Times as well, perhaps, but I think the New York Times at this stage is a bit less, um, you know, a publication that are, that are on board with, with dealing with this topic other than kind of more debunker-style articles. But the Washington Post certainly was being discussed quite a lot, and apparently there were some communications with Politico on the Hill about running the story. And so this was another thing. Why didn't people, uh, why didn't those publications run with the story is because is it because they didn't think it was a credible story didn't they trust the witness and so on but um i think there was a, a lot more complexity to it than that i think a big part of it was just that the authors of the story wanted to get the story out and you know there was also perhaps the the kind of discussion loose lips sink ships kind of aspects where certain people did start to bring out information because I think it got a little bit too wide in terms of the amount of people who knew about this story and the discussion kind of built up to the point where, you know, I think they felt pressured to get the story out sooner than later because um, some of the details were, were kind of becoming leaked and things like that. 
So I don't think it's anything to do with the, the witness not being credible, the information not being verifiable. Um, I think it was more those kind of aspects. And and like you said earlier as well, Dave, when um, when we were discussing before we recorded that the debrief were actually quite uniquely placed to be able to verify the story. Yeah. What do you reckon? You got any additional? No, no, but no, no. But you're you're right. Well, 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 apparently, I mean, they were under pressure. They must be worried about his safety, and obviously, the big publications were taking forever to do it, and the thing was blowing up a little bit. They were worrying about getting scooped or the subject being spoiled, and and they knew that the debrief, because of all the connections, had the capability to fact check very quickly, which was the key thing in terms of the story's credibility. And they just decided to get it out there because I, I think that was the right decision. But it wasn't to do with it not being credible. In fact, I think the problem for the big papers is they couldn't not run it. And there's probably an element of double checking and triple checking. They did a lot of that with the 2017 story, if you remember, listen to it. It's far too much checking. I know they have to have a rigorous checking, but it went back and back again. And a lot of it depends on editors as well. And what their mindset is. We also don't know what influence has been being exerted behind the scenes on some of the owners and the, the key editorial teams because there's still evidence that there's a lot of influence at the senior level. The journalists won't see it, but at a senior level you can see it. So I think uh, there comes a point where they must have thought, well, it's great, it'd be nice to have the Washington Post and the New York Times, but what's more important, the story or the brand? And as long as it's not coming out in the Daily Star, the debrief isn't that. He might not have had a big circulation, but he's got high credibility. He got out. And, and I, yeah, so I, I think there's been a lot of attempts to try and rubbish Dave Grouch and the story, and none of them have just bounced off because it, he's very, this story is very strong. All the key questions are being answered, and none of it stands up. And I think the people in the community, everybody's been so used to picking little holes and moaning that it's not going to happen. This is the real McCoy, this. And people should, you've got to go on an evidence basis, don't need you just because it's the intelligence community or whatever. You've got to be able to recognise when there is a sea change and there's proper evidence and act upon it. And I think hopefully that's what will happen now. And I just hope the media at some point come in because that's the big thing, isn't it? That when are they going to come in? And uh, I think it must be soon. And that's why I think these other whistleblowers will push it push it over the edge. I still can't believe CNN haven't uh, pitched in, you know. I'm really surprised about that. Fox have done a few stories. I think that News Nation's done a great... Is it News Nation? I can't... Uh, News, Nation, yeah. News Nation was the um, the sort of like original uh, network that Ross Coltart did the interview Yeah, that's the one I'm... But, they, but I know they're not as big, but they, they've done a really good job of it, and I'm glad they've mm. done it in the end. Smaller was better, I think. But I, so, so it's better getting picked up. I mean, so, so I think it's better to get it out and then let it grow. Uh, but I, as I say, I think this story... If they could have got him, they would have done. And we've started to see a load of... We've even started to come stupid things coming out like, oh, we see that video but some years ago of an alien in captivity. Uh, and they're rolling that out now, saying that's been leaked to somebody. And that, so, so that's... Because obviously there is going to be disinformation put out, but the quality of it is just rubbish, desperate. So I, I think it, it, it's so strong, it, you can see nothing, nothing's, nothing's really come out about it. I was worried they're going to really fabricate something about the guy. Uh, you know, that was the only thing I was waiting for. But, uh, yeah, so basically, supposed to answer your question, there's been a lot of attempts to knock it, but they're all pretty superficial when you look look behind him. Even that about the lawyer, saying the lawyer had left. Uh, you know, I don't know if, did you mention that earlier, Frank, or not? Maybe we were talking about it before was saying that the guy who was the IG had left him. And then, in fact, that was nothing to do with it. Uh, uh, you know, he's actually still representing him. Yeah. You know, and all these little petty points that were being raised, uh, looking for any little problem. And uh, I, I don't know, he's just not really affected. This guy's there. The IG has confirmed his story. There's credible people. There's nothing to gain. Lots of witnesses, lots of character testimony, and it's it's a I think it's a stand up story, and people are going to have to start dealing with the content like we've been discussing. Now I'm, I'm sorting the real wheat from the chaff and what it means for for society, I suppose, because that's the next thing we'll have to think about. What what will it mean? How will it play out? 
Maybe not in the medium term, but in the long term, certainly. Yeah, definitely. And I think I've seen a bit of discussion about this as well. This is kind of a good point to sort of end on, really. Um, I've seen a, a lot of discussion about this. And I don't think this is like the tipping point, as it were. Yeah, I think yeah. this is the, is the this sets up a tipping point moment quite nicely, but I don't think this is the tipping point as such. Do you know what I mean? I think there needs to be that thing I was talking about earlier that Ross Coulter has hinted at that there are other people as well, whether they're already planning on coming forward or whether they will come forward as a result of this. Um, you know, who knows? But I don't think this is a standalone tipping point moment. It's probably the the clearest indication of, of all of this, you know, crashed, crashed non-human vehicles being kept in a hangar somewhere by the government, reverse engineering them, a cover-up, a secret program that's been going on for decades, all that stuff, you know, that, that me and you have talked about so much over the last few years. This is the, the clearest indication so far from somebody who's very recently had access to this information behind the skirt and the secrecy, you know, and all the rest of it. But I don't think on its own, it is that tipping point just yet. In terms of the wider public, it's a massive kind of indication for those of us who've already been thinking along these lines that we were backing up the right tree. But as I say, in terms of the wider public, maybe not a tipping point. However, what it could lead to would be very interesting. But it has made a lot of people who are already interested in this topic, think long and hard about when we get, or if and when we get to that tipping point moment, how are people actually going to react? You know, and I've seen a lot of um, a lot of people on, on Twitter, for example, talking about how people are going to be really confused. You know, we should we should try and support people. We've, we've been aware of this kind of thing for a long time. To, to a lot of other people, this is quite new. And, you know, the, the talk of ontological shock, you know, the... The, the shock that people go through when they realise the very nature of, of their reality that they've understood for a long time, you know, might not have been correct and, you know, all this kind of thing. But I personally sort of think of it slightly differently, like maybe that perception of people being, you know, shocked and, and panicked by the reality of this, I tend to think of it slightly differently. Obviously, we've talked about this a bit over this last week or so, but when I bring this up to people, it tends to be a case of they're actually quite interested, but just resigned to the reality that they're never going to get any answers on it. I don't find that when I bring it up to people, as long as you do it subtly and you don't go, right, what do you think about little green men? You know, something like that. Everybody's going to answer that, um, you know, with a laugh and a joke. But if you kind of choose a right point to just bring it up in conversation with, with somebody, whenever I've done that, it's more been a case of, yeah, we're obviously not alone in the universe. Look at the size of the bloody gaff, you know, sort of thing. And like, you know, they seem that there's a lot, less likely that we're alone in the universe. We probably are being visited. The US probably have got craft, but we're never going to find out about it. And and the kind of point that um that I compared it to uh when we, we were discussing this a few days ago was the same kind of thing with what happens with life after death. Because there isn't a single person on this planet who doesn't care about that question. It's just that how often do you really go around thinking about it? Because you know you're probably never going to get the answer. And I think, you know, people kind of think of the UFO topic in a similar way, but I think they're perhaps not as aware that we're probably a bit closer to them answers than they might think, at least in terms of are we alone? The deeper questions about, you know, like the nature of uh, of reality and the, and the communication we might have with these other, other intelligences is, is a bit different. But we can at least get, you know, closer to that 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 answer as to whether or not we're alone than a lot of people realize. And I think once people do wake up to that, that we are a bit closer to the answers than they thought, they might be more inclined to take that, the question, you know, more seriously and consider it more. Do you know what I mean? It's just, that yeah. I think people write it off as, well, we're never going to know. So what's the point in dwelling on it sort of thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean the chattering classes as it were, they tend to really underestimate the sophistication of thought of normal people really. As you were saying, most normal people are getting on with it, but uh, and they haven't got really the luxury of thinking about these things for a long time. But nonetheless, in elections and other things, when you talk to them, they have thought about it quite a bit. And it's like you said, because there's not much they can do about it, they don't know, but they have got quite a more sophisticated view people would think. And it's like what you were saying to me a couple of days ago about COVID. People were very adaptable over COVID. 
you know, they change pretty quickly. And everybody asks, what's the bottom line? What should we do? And then they get on with it. I mean, I was thinking about what you said about, uh, what is it, chop wood, carry water. You still have to get on with it. That's true. But people's mantra might be, what is it, chop wood and levitate water now and just incorporate it into the thinking, you know, it's that, that sort of thing. But I do think that it'll depend on what the last, what is the bottom line for this change if it comes along? What does it mean, particularly if it comes slowly? And people will be more adaptable because they probably know there's, there's something to this now. They probably work that out. Uh, and that'll be very, it's not quite going to be the, oh, the great unwashed masses all having the heart attacks, you know, and going reaching for the crucifixes or whatever. I don't think it's going to be that. And, uh, I think it will be much more subtle. I mean, the biggest thing, I mean, just as we're finishing off on some of the where it might go, I mean, the biggest more of this thing, the biggest practical issue for me is about the fact that this tech is very, very dangerous and there's clearly the danger of some lunatic sort of state or whatever getting hold of it. So it won't be the panacea that we think it is because it's going to be more like nuclear power where it's controlled and secured if we're going to get the benefit. You won't have your zero punk car going around because it could be a bomb that blow up half the planet so there might not be that so there are legitimate reasons to keep it secret and all the rest of it but there's going to be big questions around science the scientists might be thinking differently materials we might see a massive renaissance in science and all the rest of it we might say a big economic big economic growth and that might have a lot of new possibilities it might be that people have more resource and it frees up people's living standards across the world, it could solve pollution. There's a number of positive things that might happen. The religious things might be quite interesting. There'd be a big, maybe there'd be a big international relations. The interesting thing for me is how that might change kind of the extent to which these despotic regimes really are more about power and control than they are about battle for resources, which is one of the classic views, and how much they'd be amenable to this new vibe or how much people power, as we've often seen, changes things about how these regimes, a bit like what's happening in Iran at the moment, you might argue, but that hasn't come to fruition. There's also a big thing about the thinking around the history of the 20th century. If it is indeed true that there's been contact throughout at the time, that'll be a big change in people's thinking, particularly on the nuclear race. I'm going deeper back into time about contact, religion being a construct of ET, connections, and issues about if there's been any intervention in us and our genome or whatever, or and the thing that we might talk to some of these extraterrestrials or whoever they are, and they might have an actual record of our history that we don't know about. I mean, that could be absolutely fascinating to people. So it's a much more, and I'm oh, not even scratching the surface here, it's a much more multifaceted and complex thing that we're, we'll only now roll out as to what it means. And the big thing about complexity is, you can't predict where it's going to go. And it's that thing we've talked about with strategy. You can have a strategy if it sort of says where you want to go roughly, but people who have a strategy that tries to control everything fail because it, you can, the only strategy really that's is an emergent strategy that can roll with the punches. And there'll be such complexity in this, we won't be able to predict everything that happens. We'll just have to maybe have an envelope around it where we can try and, and you know push it in the right direction. So I think it's going to be much less straightforward and people, much less, not as scary and more nuanced and people will react in a more sophisticated way. And I think people might have hissy fits, but there's only a certain amount you can have a hissy fit. Then you have to get on with it, you know. And, and uh, so I think it'll be interesting. The more interesting thing is what people, if we do have an others and to do some contact with my where people will place them, because ineffectively they'll have a lot of power. There might be questions about what's your science, what's your philosophy, what about consciousness, can you give us guidance on our politics, what's our, well, they may become our sort of, uh, our sort of, sort of God, I suppose, or whatever, you know, like some sort of answering machine or answer box. And that'll be interested in that relationship. What sort of relationship will we have with that? How will we view them and who are they? And that's the question. I suppose we've been so focused on the act of disclosure and it's real. The next thing is what is that relationship? What are they? But the potential is massive, I think, for, for a big change. And, and we don't know if it's a time change so that we can go on another path or it's just the way it's fell. You know, I don't know. So 
that's just a massive whistle stop tour of uh, where it are a very truncated whistle stop tour, but in a widespread. The sort of thing is this might start to, in a year's time, we might really start to think about, or even sooner. There's a lot of questions that will come up, but I think that our thinking, once people know something's possible and it's different and something might not be like that, it massively frees people's thinking and approach. And apparently that's a big thing in science. Once they say something can happen, then they'll go for it. And we've talked about that with anti-gravity stuff. Once scientists know it can be done, then they've got a much higher chance of cracking it because they know there's an answer there rather than feeling futile it'll never be done. So, yeah, I think it'll have a big impact on uh, the way we think. Yeah, just remember, on the Frank, sorry, mate. <laughs> oh no, that's the name of the game. That's what that's what we do, isn't it? We press record and we we go off yeah. on one. <laughs> yeah. But no, what you were saying just reminded me of something that Gary Nolan has said one time in an interview, um, which was that, like you say, when humans saw birds flying, they realised that is possible to do, and it was a matter of time before we did it. And you know, who knows? Perhaps we're being shown things like the Tic Tac so that we realise that you know, that's possible. And then we strive for that and we yeah. we realise that it can be done, so we do it, you know. And, you know, maybe there's there's a, a larger aspect to that than, uh, you know, than, than what we think. But I think that's a, it's a, it's a good point to, to end on and um, I will leave it there unless you've got any final concluding thoughts, Dave. No, Frank, I, Frank, I think we're going to have to go away and have a think and then I'll have a crack at it because there's so much to go at, isn't there? You know, uh, if we just yeah. scratch the surface. But fantastic conversation. It's just good to... I think there will be a lot of these conversations where we're just kicking it around and people are generally in the community and just thinking about what it means because it's a lot to get your head around when you start to think about with a credible witness for the first time with the proof, you know. Definitely, and something that I'm going to be really keeping a close eye on to see how it all p- progresses and what this leads to. And I tell you what, when we were talking on the Christmas roundtable about 2023 being a big year, well, it's it has been. I think Absolutely. by the it's safe to say at this point, halfway through the year, it's been a big year uh, for yeah. UFO stuff. I think probably bigger than last year. You know, yeah, last year yeah. was kind of the setup to the things that have happened this year. Um, yeah. well, God knows again, what the God knows what the ghost of Christmas. Uh... President's going to say next day. <laughs> yeah, God well, Almighty. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that again. Yeah. It'll be, it's, I think that might have to become a Christmas tradition. Now. Ah, yeah. I uh, caught you up there, Frank. Sorry, mate. What were you going to no, say? No, don't, don't worry. Graham's, Graham's up for it for the Ghost yeah. of Christmas Past again. So uh, I'll, I, I'm pretty sure Sharpie said he'll do the uh, yeah. the other one. So yeah, that should be good. That, yeah. but no, that that's all really. I think we've pretty much covered it all. So um, we'll leave it there for now. And yeah. uh, well, I'll, I'll see you on the round table in, uh, in, a, in a week yeah, or so's looking time. Looking forward to it, Frank. That was great, that, Frank. Let's speak to you soon, mate. Nice one. UFO Thinker Podcast.